Hey, folks, there's a book I want you to check out and get right now. Mark Levin's new book, Unfreedom of the Press, shines a light on the degeneration of America's free press into a, quote, standardless profession that has squandered the faith and trust of the American public. In typical fashion, as you know, Mark Levin doesn't hold back in substance or quality. The research that went into this is absolutely astounding, folks. And I can promise this book will deepen your understanding of the roots of journalism in our country and where we're headed. And you know what? As you know, Mark Levin doesn't mince words either. Levin takes direct aim at the, quote, partisan party press, which has gone completely off the rails through its own abandonment of repertorial integrity and objective journalism. This book is for every American citizen who cares about the future existence of a free republic. You can read excerpts on Amazon and pre-order now. The book release today, May 21st. Mark Levin, check it out. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Chad Prather Show. Good to be with you back in Studio 22. As always, we are coming to you right here on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere podcasts are offered. We hope that you are watching by the hundreds, tens, and hundreds, tens of hundreds of thousands. I don't even know what that is, Puppet Master. Millions of people. It sounds great. I was a little disappointed, though. I was watching Monday's episode, and and like, it it came out, a lot of people watched it, but they weren't watching it live. Hmm. They were watching it after the fact. So, again, we're encouraging you, go to YouTube, watch it there, go where podcasts are offered, subscribe, download. Hey, leave a review. That's a fun thing to do. We only take five stars because we don't believe in one stars. We're all about the winning here. So somebody (laughs) asked me this morning on uh, social media, they sent me a message and said, how long has your YouTube channel been pulled down? And my YouTube channel has not been pulled down. What we've been going through, and I've talked to you, if you watch the show, you know we've been going through this. For about the last uh, four months, we've had another page out there that's been ripping all of our content posted on YouTube, getting a lot of views based on the counts. And uh, I, I, I appreciate you trying to get the message out. But that doesn't help us because it gets people confused. And they, then all of a sudden, so our legal had to actually pull that account down. And, and I hate that the person lost their entire YouTube channel uh, for stealing. But that's what happens when you steal things. Uh, it doesn't help us. We're in business here. We're trying to do things. We're trying to make a living. And whenever you're ripping our content that we work so hard to create and you put it on another channel, it doesn't help. Do it the right way. Share the link or share the actual post. That's the good thing to do. That's the right thing to do. Ripping it and reposting it as your own, not a good thing to do. Come on, folks. There is still some form of ethics, I hope, left in the social media world. Party foul, Steve. In other, in other news, I got uh, my YouTube channel shut down this weekend. I don't know what happened. <laughs> what a jerk. What a jerk. It probably was you. It probably was you. Never know. And look, I read the channel. I, I mean, I saw their description and stuff. I, I think they were a supporter. I think they were somebody that were really in their own misguided way trying to help by getting that out there. But they were ripping all of my stuff, John Miller's. I mean, they were ripping everything. They were going back years and ripping stuff off. And, and, and also, by the way, if, if you get a request on Instagram from me and there's not a blue verification check, Mark, it's not me, okay? I don't need 30,000 people sending me a met screenshot saying, is this you? Did you send me? I had a lady, and I've told this story, uh, that this lady got scammed out of $25,000 that she thought was giving to me. And uh, that's a shame. That's sad. I, we say that 
tongue in cheek, but I'm not ever going to ask any of you for money, not for me or anything else personally. It's if we put a charity out there, that's one thing. But check out the charity nonetheless to make sure you're not getting scammed. Speaking of charities, my favorite one. Uh, one of my favorite ones, I have to say that because I'm on the board of a couple. So. <laughs> but I, but one of my favorite ones, Mighty Oaks Foundation. We got our buddy Chad Robichaud back in the studio here today. Yeah. This feels like I just saw you. We did. Awesome to be back, especially so quick. I'm going to keep bringing you back, too, because yeah. we had a great response to that episode mm-hmm. with talking about the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Mm-hmm. I went that day, joined up, became yeah. a, a monthly donor, and I said, I, w- I don't care – what goes i just want to be a part of this it's a phenomenal thing i was talking about it this week uh this past week we were on the road and we ran into some people and we got to talking about it and i said let me tell you about this great great organization and what they do and of course it was mighty oaks and it's just a phenomenal thing so over the last few weeks since i've seen you i've just been just trying to get conversant in how to be a good evangelist for you guys you know what i mean so it's 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 i'm impressed i'm impressed i I tell you that the show uh you know it was just it was a hit on our side from the program side because you know one of the reasons I, I like to get on shows one of the reasons I do public speaking is to go out and broadcast the message of hope and restoration and a new purpose for these warriors who have done so much for our country and uh, and being on a show like this we don't know what all the, the results are going to be but I always say if if even one person hears it goes registers come to the program and it saves their it saves their life then it's worth my my time yeah. to do that and uh, I can tell you that. Uh, talking to Brandon Cunith, our national programs director, who tracks uh, when I do events and in the results, we've had we had a, a, a very large number of people signing up saying, "Hey, I heard on the Chat Pather show," and uh, Prather Pather. I don't care. Yeah, you can kill me, so you can say anything <laughs> you want to say. My father says Prather. Prather. Used to say Prather, so, but yeah. So I don't yeah, care. Well, Brandon said Prather. I said I told him it, it was looks Prather, like yeah. Prather, so it's forgivable. <laughs> I don't ever correct anybody. But we uh, we had just a bunch of guys sign up to come to their program, and that's just man, it's awesome. So I'm yeah. glad to be back. Thanks, Good. thanks for your uh, you know, wanting to lock arms and partner with us. And yeah. I know we're going to do it so many ways. It's going to be so. fun. So we've started out. You sent us. I said, hey man, send me some of your collateral materials. Yeah. You know, send me some uh, send me some folders, you know, some brochures and stuff. Man, all of a sudden the UPS driver, my my little my little uh, doorbell camera was just ding 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 <laughs> from the UPS guy coming, and there was there was tons of pamphlets, there was tons of little books in your yeah. book that you had written, uh, and I appreciate that. I mean, because sometimes people get a little stingy with that, but we see so many people out on the road doing these live yeah. shows that we wanted to get the message out, and so now we've got them. Party Files got them out at the merch booths and, and giving them away to people, and we're talking about it on stage, and it's just a phenomenal thing. So I. Thank you. It, it's Thank important. You. It matters. Yeah. yeah, it matters. And I'm trying to think what all I've done since I saw you last. So, let me, while I'm thinking, I'm going to just for those of you who didn't see the last time Chad Robichaud was on the on the show, he told his story. I encourage you to go back and get it. It's a powerful, powerful story and testimony of of just grace and redemption. But Force Recon Marine, eight deployments in Afghanistan, yes. comes home, <laughs> hating life, fall, fall on my face, big time. Yeah, decides and, to uh, become a you know MMA champion, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in your spare time. He's bored. Yeah. Something to do. Yeah. He goes crazy in his mind like men tend to do. And and, yeah. and God uses your wife in a very redeeming way. And you guys yeah. have turned this thing into so many great, great outreaches, not the least of which is Mighty Oaks. And, I, and I'll go ahead and say, and I'll say it many times, Mighty Oaks 
foundation.org. How have you been? First of all, I want to tell you, yeah. since I saw you last, I went and got a little more ink. Got got a little bit. Put that right there. <laughs> that inspi- was it. Did I inspire you? You got a little you, bit more You, you did because... <laughs> Because okay, so I'm I'm here. I'm across the chest. I'm on my back. I'm on my ribs, and I'm, I'm I was up here. Show I wanted us. to come down here. Take and, it off. And I was I'm not taking anything off, Natalie. <laughs> All right. And so, Burn. and so anyway, I I I finally I was like I'm gonna go find a guy because my guy moved out of town. I couldn't get any more ink because I couldn't find an artist that wanted to do work. And so I found this guy, Mansfield, Texas. Uh, Mondo is his name. I mean, these guys are nuts, right? So anyway, at the at the Black Rose Tattoo Shop, and he did a phenomenal job. So he went ahead and filled that in. And, and I kept saying because I do so much TV, I didn't want to come below the elbows. But now, does anybody really even care? I don't think anyone cares. They don't care. The Marine Corps has a weird rule: you could do your whole forearm, your whole upper arm, but you can't have this two inch band around your elbow. Really? Isn't that weird. Yeah. So you sort of have that on your right arm, right there. Yeah, not by intent. Not by intent. Because yeah, the back of my man when I. When the Marine Corps guys were getting look like Japanese, like full body koi fish yeah, all over their rear ends and everything, yeah, crazy. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the, the Marine Corps has some you know some rules on tattoos, which yeah. I don't know. Some of the best Marines I've seen are so the last you know, time you on edges. Well, I, listen, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I, look, it's party time, Mom, and my mother's going to get mad. I saw my mother a couple of weeks ago. We did a show in my hometown, which I encourage everybody. If you didn't see. Last Wednesday night's episode of Humor Me on Blaze TV, and you're not on Blaze TV, go to blazetv.com slash humor and get that thing. I did an episode, a full episode, just me and my mother. It's the best episode for me personal, for obvious personal reasons, but we, my mother should have her own show. She's a nut, dude. So she's giving me a hard time about my tattoos and stuff. Right. And because I came in here, my father, who passed away March, was a year ago. I put his first and middle name in there. The Eagles holding the banner, but he's also holding his Corps of Engineers banner here. I still don't have the color on it. I got to go back in June. So she was like, "He would have liked that. He would have killed you for getting it, but he would have liked that." And so anyway, mothers never stop being mothers. It's all good <laughs> stuff. But anyway. So anyway, how's Hunter doing? Speaking of being mothers and fathers, your son, you told us he's he's deployed now. Yeah, and speaking of mothers, I feel like the mother right now. My wife's handling like a champ, and uh, which really redemptive for me because I remember I used to get when my wife would when I would deploy, like some of these wives would be like crying and and holding their husband before they deployed, and my wife was like, "Yep, see you, see you when you get back." I used yeah. to be like really like bitter, like man, which you know. I think in my mind, like, what, she didn't love me? Like, what's yeah. the deal? And and now I'm getting to see her. She loves our son. Like, she's the most amazing mother in the world. And she's, like, has this, like, contentment to her. And so, actually, it's redempting for me. And then I'm, I feel like a total sissy because I'm, like, laying up at night, like, oh, my gosh, just terrified that my son's in Afghanistan. And the place been that I've been too many times. Yeah, I know too much. Yeah. That's that's probably the, the problem is I know too much. But uh, so how he's doing, great. Me? I'm still, you know, it's, it's not easy, yeah. but uh, he, he's doing really good. He's he's enjoying it. He's uh, you know, getting to do some some pretty cool stuff. Some stuff he trained really hard to do. And he, um, you know, since I shared a picture with you, te- yeah. texted you over a picture. He was uh, rolling out in their first mission off base. You know, doing patrolling. And uh, U.S. forces are not doing a lot of you know patrolling and stuff right now. It's mostly the ANA, Afghan National Army, and he's assigned to the Georgians because of his job. So he's a he's an Anglico, which is Air Naval Gunfire Liaison Company, and so he's a a forward air controller calling in, you know, air support, air strikes, and things like that. So he's a, he's embedded with the Georgians. Him and um, uh, five other Marines are embedded with the Georgians. Because yeah. so. you were texting me, you're like, "Hey, dude, prayers up," and I'm like, "I'm praying, bro." Yeah. Because we had just been talking about Hunter. I told I told Steve we were on the road. I said, 
I forget even what brought the conversation up. I, and I, and uh, I think it was that movie we were working on about Marines. And, and I said, I need to reach out to, to Chad and see how Hunter's doing. And that next day, you eat, texted me and you're like, pray. And I'm like, I'm praying. You were like, seriously, dude, pray. Like, here's a picture of him. Pray. <laughs> like, I promise you, I'm praying. I'm yeah. praying, Chad. Don't come for me. I'm praying. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but, but our hearts are with you, dude. I, I can't imagine. Yeah, I feel like, you know, I was telling this. A lot of people, I just feel like I'm kind of holding my breath. Yeah, you know, because again, I, I I just know too much. But um, man, I'm I have extreme amount of faith. You know, and man, I love my son, but as a as a person, as a believer, and and God's provision for uh, and for our lives, I believe that you know God loves Hunter more than I ever could, and He could protect yeah. him better than I ever can. And so, you know, He could get hurt back here at back home and yeah. car accident and anything. So, and and I have an extreme amount of confidence in Him and who He is as a young man. Uh, even despite like any physical harm, like what he might see or participate in, how it might affect him. He's just a strong, he's, he's just got such a strong spirit and joy and he's really got a strong relationship with God. So I'm pretty content in it, like how the deployment might affect him. Yeah. I think, uh, instead of like, you know, setting him back in life, like it did for me, I think it'll uh, grow him and this experience will be really good for him. I always, you know, because I got five kids and I'm always thinking about that exact same thing is like, you know, if, like I'm on the road, I, you know, I want to protect them all the time and i want to be right there with them and I, i'm not afforded that opportunity especially yeah. the older they get and they become more independent and i'm like you know god loves them more than i could ever love them yeah. and and jesus said what good father among you if his son asks you for a, a loaf of bread is going to give him a stone or if you ask for an egg you're going to give him a serpent and i always took away from that that god's never going to give you anything useless of stone mm-hmm. or anything dangerous a serpent and in all of those things, he's going to give you stuff that's that's useful and is good for you. And and those are the kind of things I try to remind myself of. And we don't have any understanding of God's economy and our path mm-hmm. and destiny. He took you down one road. Hunter may come back the most positive yeah. experience ever in his life. It, well, I mean, look at Party Foul Steve. Look at Party Foul Steve. I mean, this guy I right here. Okay so far. I wish you had turned out okay. <laughs> Golly. He's got the best haircut on the show. It's great. Oh, it's fantastic. It's not a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to make sure and tell everybody sure that, He's saying that because somebody just asked yes. me that on social media. I've, everybody always asks if it's a mullet. If it's a mullet. Stop wearing a hat. Yeah. I thought it was attached to the back of your hat, like one of those you get at a carnival. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm excited that Hunter has you as a father because you've you've been there and you know exactly what he's going through and there's got to be some solace in that for you. Yeah. I don't know if is there solace in that for you or does it just still I mean for me like so I get the you know real privilege to doing these resiliency events for all our military warriors so you know uh, like J- Jeremy was here and I we, we do we go speak a lot I speak at Marine Corps boot camp I speak at to different units pre-deployment stuff uh, I'm speaking all over to guys who are going to deploy and I speak a message of resiliency and what resiliency means and how the the experiences they're going to face in military life, whether in combat or just life or the things that they see or do in the battlefield. These aren't natural things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe as warriors, uh, we have to do these things. We have to go to war and defend people who can't defend themselves and stand up for our nation's interests. Uh, so it's necessary, but it's not what we were created to do. And so it is going to affect us in a negative way. And so I get to really go teach those lessons for a living. That's my job. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I learned a lot in the and I pass those things on to my son. My son's going to go and do those things. So instead of me just telling it to people I don't know and thinking this is just speaking points, this is the things that really I believe, I, I cherish and value, that we could be prepared and resilient 
for the things we see in life, particularly in things we see in war. And so I implemented those things into my son's life. And I, and that gives me a lot of comfort to know that he doesn't just know those things, but actually I believe that he believes them and trusts in those things. And so, yeah, that gives me a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. I agree with yeah. Natalie on that though. I mean, it's, that's the beauty of generational being right. able to pass down, you know, the generations like, you know, we go back to the Bible. The Bible says that a righteous man leaves an inheritance to his, his children's children. And we think of that in terms of money. It's not about money, although it can be that, but it's, it's that spiritual, um, inheritance as well, you know, and passing down something. I mean, you, you took a lot of the speed bumps in the, in the rough road that now you can pass that on to your kids mm-hmm. and they don't have to. Now they may choose to, but they don't have to. And they're going to go through their own bumps, pass it down to their kids. So, yeah. And again, I look at Steve. I mean, look at Steve. Just look at him. I mean, he is the epitome of. <laughs> Introduce us to Jeremy over here, Chad. He's sitting over here looking all handsome, and I we just keep ignoring him. Today. That's all right. I get ignored a lot. It's okay. I'm having fun watching you guys. Yeah. Uh, Introduce us to Jeremy. Yeah. Well, Jeremy, Jeremy Stonecker. Um, when uh, I want to get to work with Jeremy, but he's also best friend in life. You know, you get people that get brought into your life, and I think God has a great way of orchestrating things like that. And Jeremy and I are probably completely opposite, which is why he's uh, does such a good job running our organization. So he's the executive director at Mighty Oaks, right? And has uh, just incredible experience uh, experiences that he brought to our organization. He was the infantry platoon commander in Iraq and led the inva- his platoon led the invasion from Kuwait to overtake one of Saddam's ma- main presidential palaces. Amazing. So I want to ask a question right there on that. So, Jeremy, I've always wondered, when you guys go in there and invade and take over these palaces, like, what do you find when you go in there? Like, I would think, this is the way Steve and I would think on the road. Like, if we go in and take over a palace, we're staying there for at least six months. Like, we're going (laughs) to chill in the palace and hang there. Like, no, y'all go out there and take the streets. We got this. We're holding down this fort. Yeah, so we ended up at the palace. Uh, There's two presidential palaces in Baghdad. There's one near the airport. That's where Saddam lived. There's the one that we took, which is on the Tigris River, which is where his sons lived. Twelve acres, beautiful, as you can imagine, palace on the Tigris River. Uh, extremely ornate. It was all fake, but it was ornate. Really? Um, it's all fake. Main building, we dropped a 2,000-pounder on before we got in, so not a lot of resistance and not a great place to hang out. We lived in his uh, rose garden for two, two, uh, two weeks, so that was fun. Um, you can imagine what a bunch of Marines would do at the palace and in the rose garden and uh, the surrounding areas while we were there for two weeks uh kind of letting saddam know even though he wasn't there how we felt about him but uh yeah it was uh hey watch was, while i fertilize your room right, exactly, yeah. and, and some of your rooms but uh, yeah it was, good, uh, it was a good good time for sure great experience and uh you know it was, uh, the battle of baghdad getting into baghdad was a, a 12-hour fight we had over 70 casualties some kia um an incredible battle that we didn't expect the night that we rolled in there. But um, once we got there and we got settled, for us, the fighting stopped. And uh, later on, it would start again. But, yeah, pretty incredible experience. Yeah. Yep. Well, thank you for doing that. Yep. I mean, if you got to do palace duty. Yeah, if you got to do it, that's the way to do it. And, we appreciate you doing that. It's certainly something that I'm proud to have been a part of, yeah. That's a, that's a crazy – I mean, you know, folks look back on all that stuff. It seems like we have been at – conflict for quite some time yeah. now i mean especially since 9 11 right and and we do you know we had the desert storm and then we had desert what was it cleanup after that and then we had the <laughs> shut up iraqi freedom because that was iraqi freedom right yeah that's right and so you know and, and that deal and then and then we pull out of there and we're like is that a mistake was that a good thing yeah. did we do the right things yeah 
And it's like every time we whack the mole, it pops up in three other places, yeah. which is seems to be the nature of Islamic insurgency. Yeah, it's yeah. a crazy thing. There was one of those moments when I came back from Iraq. I left the Marine Corps. And so now I'm in a civilian position. I was actually working at a church, of all things. And then the guys that I deployed with, that I came back with, went back. First Battle of Fallujah, they were part of that. First Battalion, Fifth Marines. Some of those kids I had deployed with and brought home had been killed in that battle. Uh, just this surreal moment where you're sitting there, first of all, thinking I'm completely out of control. I can't do anything to help them, to affect what they're going through. I said I would take care of them, and I'm not there for them. But beyond all of that, when the Battle of Baghdad, when our time in Baghdad ended, and A-10 came in, blasted a mosque where the counterinsurgency was being set up, that was it for us, and it was done. Two weeks later, we retrograded to Kuwait. We came home. The fight is over. The, the war is over. And it wasn't over. And I've got these kids who I was proud I had taken care of. I got home, and now they go back, and uh, they didn't make it back the second time. So, yeah, it's – you look back almost 20 years and say, what happened, and how did it happen, was it worth it? And I don't know the answer to all those questions, but – I'm going to ask you some, and you may not have answered. And I want to ask this to both of you guys because this was a conversation we were having this week. Uh, so I did an event in Tucson a couple of weeks ago, and we honored a Navy SEAL by the name of Mike Day, who was down there. Mike got shot 27 times, mm, still yep. killed five guys yep. before he got out of that house. Yeah. I mean, this, I mean, how do you get shot Crazy 27 story. times yeah. and they're all not Incredible lethal? Story. Yeah. Incredible and, story. And, and I mean, he talks about, he tells some pretty interesting and funny stories about places he got shot yeah. and then the aftermath of those things. Uh, funny, but not funny mm. sort of deal. And I look at that and, and you talk to those guys from time to time. For instance, we just did our, our uh, foundation, American Valor, we just had our sixth annual Chris Kyle Memorial Benefit. Of course, Chris's mm-hmm. family started that. And I was sitting in there with 1,200 guys and gals, and I'm like, I, like, I said, I'm, I'm always nervous in these rooms because everybody in here has either been shot or blown up. They're all missing a leg or something. They, I know they could take it off and kill me with it, you know, and they're all of such good humor about it, and, and such. there's such a good story behind everything and just a testimony with it. But I, but the issue I want to get to, and we were talking about this, and I talked to Mike about this, is this idea of survivor's guilt. Like you come home and your friends don't come home or they go back and they don't come home. Mm-hmm. Have you seen that a lot dealing with Mighty Oaks? I mean, I, we, yeah. we've talked about the PTS and things like that, but, but how much of that survivor's guilt? Because that's something that to me is just way off the reservation psychologically. I know it exists. Mm-hmm. I know it's there, but it seems like such a weird thing, although such a real thing. Do y'all, do y'all deal with a lot of guys who are dealing with that? A lot. Uh, especially guys who are like, uh, you always hear, and, and Jeremy probably agrees with me on this because I've, I've heard it a lot, and I know he has too. Like guys will say always, they'll kind of compare themselves to the person that died and would like, that guy was better than me, like he was a better human being than me. It's just in retrospect looking back, you think that guy had so much more to live for and was just a better person or whatever. And so it should have been him. It should have been me than him. Yeah. And, uh, and I mean, for me, like, uh, Foster Harrington, we, we, I can tell you, we were, he was one of my best friends. We served together for 10 years. So we knew each other for 10 years. We were very close. We changed units together. And uh, I was his team leader. He was assistant team leader at Third Force Recon Company. I, we got activated to deploy to Iraq. And during our, after we got activated, I applied, I tried out for this task force, JSOC task force that I deployed with. And because I got accepted, I didn't go to Iraq with him. And so he took the spot as team leader. Within a month in Alambar province, uh, 2004, he was shot and killed, uh, single shot through the head. And I remember when I found that out, I was like, that was that was supposed to be me. Like, mm-hmm. I was a team leader. 
you know, I, I should have been in the exact same step. You know, yeah. my feet should have been in the same place his was. I should have been the one. That's, uh, that's how I felt. And I've seen it so many times with uh, guys coming through Mighty Oaks. And, you know, Jeremy, I'm not sure how much you've seen that. But. Yeah. Yeah, it's part of the conversation. You know, often sometimes you don't know if that's part of the conversation because this is why I want to feel bad. This is this is my excuse for the way I'm behaving, or if it's real. I I know that when I was sitting in an office with guys that I was working with at the church, I heard about a couple of the kids that I had served with that were killed, and I was overwhelmed, just so helpless. And I I shared that with the guys that I was you know working with at the time, civilians, and they're like, "Oh, well, that's that's terrible." Anyhow, so the next thing on the agenda is, and just moved past it, no understanding, and they couldn't understand, but. There was a feeling of guilt for sure in my in my heart there. But I think you can handle that one of two ways. You can either feel guilty about it. You can let that push you down a road you shouldn't end up on. You can spend the rest of your life thinking about why, why did it hit the guy standing next to me instead of me, the randomness of combat and war. Or you can do what we do at a Memorial Day weekend and say, you know, the reason Memorial Day is important is because instead of feeling bad about what didn't happen to me, I can celebrate the fact that there are young people who are willing to pay the ultimate price, who are willing to sacrifice their lives, who are willing to stand in the gap when no one else will, et cetera, et cetera. And I can be proud of that, and I can celebrate that, and I can rejoice in that. And, and survivor's guilt, I think, is a very real thing. Psychologically, mm-hmm. I, I don't understand all of it, but that conversation is, is one that happens often. And I, I think getting past that is you have to understand the person who died doesn't want you to feel bad about that for the rest of their life what they would say if they were standing here today is start living your life, do something important, make something happen. And so, yeah, it's real, but you can move past it if you're willing to do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great message from Memorial Day, but it's a message like that we get to say, like in those moments when people are struggling with that, it's, and again, Memorial Day is coming up, so it's a great message for everyone. But when I'm talking one-on-one to a guy that's struggling with that, it's like, hey, you might think you should have died and they should have lived, but that's not what happened, and you're here. Right. So how about instead of mourning them and, and, and kicking the ground uh, as you move forward in life, how about living for what they died for? They yeah. died for to stand up for others. They died for freedom. They, di- they died for the ability for other people to live their life. They died for a cause that they believed in. Uh, I think guys like Foster Harrington and Foster Harrington actually believed and his job and what he was doing and, and liberating people that couldn't defend themselves and, and the cause of freedom. And so it's like live, Lieutenant Dan, man. For that, right? like my grandfather died. <laughs> yeah. My dad died. I was supposed to die in yeah. this thing, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah, so, but, but instead, I of, instead of moping around in a wheelchair like you did, right? <laughs> like live, live for what they died for. Yeah. Right? Live it out. Do something purposeful and productive with your life. Be a contributor. Well, and I say that, I say that in a joking manner on a very serious subject because – Every live show that I do uh, out on stage, I always do this bit about why America is the greatest country on the planet. And we make some, we have some laughs about it because people are like, yep, that's right. But I always say in a serious moment, I say we're great because we have men and women who are willing to get up every day, put on a uniform mm-hmm. with the willingness to serve, sacrifice, and potentially give their lives for our liberty. Mm-hmm. And that, those people make all the day. And, and when you took that oath, when you made that covenant with the United States military, you said, hey – I'm willing to give my life. And, and, and I, you know, as a person who's never faced combat or even been anywhere near anything like that, I don't know. I might be in a foxhole rocking back and forth, sucking my thumb, humming Jesus loves me. And most likely I would be. I know party foul would be. But listen, I know that these people who went out there and did all of that, these folks made that decision before they ever put the oh, uniform yeah. on. You yeah. did. Yeah. You know, and I, and I always encourage I encourage the folks who, who deal with the grief and things like that as they're coming. Even if you were never in the military. Right. There are folks who deal psychologically with so many of these different grief For sure. aspects. For sure. Yeah. I, I met a guy tr- flying here yesterday. I seen his sweatshirt on, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. 
And uh, mm. right away when I seen a sweatshirt, I asked him, hey, were you at 3-5? And the reason I asked them that is because the group that we've sh- – dealt with the most with if there's any one single group we dealt with the most with at, at mighty oaks it's been a third battalion fifth marines 2011 saying in afghanistan deployment in seven months they had 27 marines killed about 70 amputees yeah. wow terrible terrible deployment and so many of those guys are coming to mighty oaks uh and that's why we had the most of them mainly with that issue of the people they lost and uh trying to move forward in life uh just looking back at the guys that they, the brothers they lost there and so when I asked this Marine, hey, were you in 3-5? He said, yeah, I was. Uh, were you in uh, Sangin in 2011? And it, it like, it actually, it, I, I wish I wouldn't have asked that because he actually immediately got sad because mm. he, he had did two deployments to Fallujah. And because of what he had been in through Fallujah, he had to sit that one out. And he was, uh, he's like, it's just, it, it eats me up every day that I wasn't on that deployment. Wow. And, uh. And so it's, yeah. it's amazing. It's every day Natalie, what were you going to ask? You're well, chomping I, at the bits. I see you. Well, <laughs> I was asking Jeremy this too. How much it, it, you guys go outside of um, um, the military family, first responders, the wives? Um, on the 18th, I believe it was, marks one year of the Santa Fe high school shooting. Mm-hmm. It was a mass shooting. I think it killed 10 people, eight students, two, two um, right. teachers. One of the the girls um, who was who was there, I know her do- her uh, aunt and I went to school together. I know her mom, and she lost her boyfriend. He was uh, killed while trying to help others. He was one of unfortunately the shooter got him, and I, I just saw a story because it marked one year. So I watched the news story um, down in Houston, and I, I saw her on the interview, and she's still so raw. And she doesn't have closure. My, my understanding is that she had sent him a text asking where he was. It was before class had started, and he never texted her back. And it's almost like this closure is missing, and almost like she has survivor's guilt. I, I'm, I'm only speculating because mm-hmm. I haven't spoken to her directly, but I just wondered how much you guys would consider even expanding that for for these teens she she hasn't moved on i mean she's she's in a tough spot and you can see the rawness in the story and it just got my heart to thinking does she have survivor's guilt does she have pts you know she lived that moment that we all pray our children never have to go through yeah i think it's it's really hard to have a heart to do the work that we do and not see the same thing systemic everywhere i mean it's in life, it's not just. I mean, we always say this: like veterans don't do not have a monopoly on trauma, right? Like, <laughs> Even though they think they do sometimes, I mean, yeah. 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 which they don't. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. Most veterans think they do. We we have to tell them otherwise because it's part of important part of them moving right. forward. Jeremy could probably speak to our growth and expansion. Yeah, we we've grown a lot, and because of that, the demand has you know questions like that uh, come up consistently. I had a guy reach out to me after the Las Vegas shooting. Uh, he mm-hmm. was there. He said, "Hey, sir, I know." you do something with this can you help us out and so i took a lot of phone calls i sent a lot of resources and i think one of the reasons chad and i have organizationally decided we started a youtube show we have a podcast we write we we do all the things that we do so that we can get the same information we're sharing in our context Mm -hmm. to people that need it just because we can't be everywhere so we try to narrow our focus on the program side but then make that information available to everyone that we can possibly make it available to and then we have an expanding network of guys who've been through our program who have found hope and purpose who would speak to a mom or a, yeah. a daughter a girlfriend mm-hmm. a, you know somebody who's been through something like that we definitely have a very intentional process to help equip those guys our alumni to be able to uh to help others to speak back in the communities yeah. that they're in mm-hmm. and uh we um we we have however 
ventured off into the first responder community. Um, Jeremy and I both do a lot of speaking at, at uh, police departments, fire departments, uh, as much as we can. The military, because of our organization, the military, we put as priority. But we do do a lot of stuff with uh, first responders. In fact, right now, uh, this week in California, we have our, our annual first responder program going. Right. We have about 40 uh, police and firemen at our ranch yep. going through a program. That's great. And then every, uh, every session, our military sessions, will open up a couple of slots to police and fire throughout the year. And so we do serve those communities as well. And then spouses, we do a lot of spouses programs. Um, and we speak, you know, I, I speak most, most every week. I'm speaking somewhere. Well, because I would say that those that those moments in these mass shootings, they're getting an, a glimpse into a war zone. Yeah, I mean, for that moment, yeah. obviously, it's That's not right. something that you saw, and, and they're not prepared for that. And the they're way. not prepared. Right. <laughs> Definitely right. didn't sign up, you know, right. um, for that. And so I could I could say just watching her face melt on camera, it mm. yeah. it just ripped at my heart. So I appreciate you guys even yeah. expanding yeah. it further. And the message is uh, an interesting. I was telling Chad. Um, I was at a, an event this weekend. It was a resiliency event for the Air Force. And the way they do it is they have the service member and then family members can come. And I had a mom who came up to me, a mom who was there for her daughter, just to support her through the weekend, came up to me crying on Sunday. Said, you changed my life. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> what does that mean? And she said, well, my perspective on all of this is different. And the way I need to live my life is different. And the things I've been hanging on to is different. She came for the service member but heard the message delivered to the service member and said, that's for me. And I, I think we've experienced that many, many times. I remember the first time I spoke, like, because I never wanted to get into public speaking. It just wasn't a desire of mine. But uh, I got thrust into it but by demand. And the uh, first time I spoke at a church, I came off the stage and and, uh, and people were coming up to talk to me. And this, I remember this, just clearly remember this woman coming up and she's like, in tears and she had lost her son to a drunk driver and she talked about how my story had impacted her and gave her hope and it really like kind of took me back because i'm like what my story in afghanistan have to do with your son being killed by a drunk driver and then this guy came up and his he was on one side of the church and his wife and kids were on the other side of the church and they had been separated for like over a month and he's like because of what i said he was gonna take him out to lunch and mm-hmm. uh and, and i'm like man that's actually it inspired me to continue sharing my story mm-hmm. so you know jeremy and i both speak in a lot of churches and community events um and when we go in there, it's, you know, maybe a small percentage of the audience is military. So as we go to different communities, we're casting that the lessons we learned uh, and paying it forward to others. God's using you. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, one of the beauty thing, beautiful things that Mighty Oaks does. And again, Mighty Oaks org. Make sure you get the S in there. Mighty Oaks foundation. And so the beautiful thing is how specialized you guys are. And you're you're multiplying yourself in a big way as we were as you were just mm-hmm. describing, but you guys are so focused because you have warriors coming in who are being ministered to, and worked with by other warriors, people yeah. who can relate, who are touched with those infirmities, right. mm-hmm. and and I will remind everybody as we've talked about on the other episode, if, if somebody needs to go to Mighty Oaks, this is a tuition paid for thing. Yeah. That's why it's so important that you donate and give, and you go and become a person. That, that donates on a monthly basis, even if it's just $25 a month. I mean, you know, just skip going out for a meal and pay that once a month. And I'll tell you that, you know, because it's costing, what, about $2,600? Per person to per come person through, to and that through covers, we cover travel and everything. Yeah. So there's no cost to the warrior or spouse, because uh, we have a spouse's program, too. And, uh, yeah, no one's ever paid to come. We've had 2,600 graduates uh, from our program, and uh, it's incredible results. And... One of the things you hit on, we are we are very 
very niche uh, and yeah. and who we are and how we do what we do and uh, and some things that make us kind of special is that we we have leadership that runs the program we have a methodology but we take graduates and we take a Christian model would be discipleship we disciple them to be able to pay for what they learn so they go through a process averages about six months and they oh, get in a position where they could pay it forward and we give them the opportunity to do that in our program mm-hmm. and so when a warrior comes to our comes to Mighty Oaks, they're not sitting across from a clinician or maybe even some older person in life that's a couple of generations removed that has a lot to offer them. We, there's a lot of value in that, but they're peer-to-peer. And yeah. that's why guys come. That's why they trust the process. And ultimately, that's where they were able to knock down the walls and connect with them on a one-on-one peer-to-peer level. So warrior-to-warrior, uh, you don't have to be a combat veteran to come to the program, but to be a leader in our program and, and teach classes, you have to be a combat veteran. Not because it makes them more qualified, but it makes them more uh, – it, it really takes away that disqualifying factor that most veterans will have. Like, right. well, you can't tell me what, I, what I've been through because you've never been in combat. So we yeah. take that out, and, uh, it, you know, well, it peer-to-peer works. And that is the beauty of it because you guys – you know, if you were to spread yourself too thin, you become a mile wide and an inch deep, yeah. which is like a swamp, you know. It's, and it's just not as effective because you right. guys are really digging into some deep things here. Yeah. And so, like I said, I appreciate the fact that you guys have a process that you can expand and you can multiply, but – but thank God that you're focused on what you focus on, and you that's why I think you get the results you get. It, you know what I mean? It's, oh, yeah. it's one of yeah. those things where, like, this is what we do, and this is who we are, and this is what we do. And by doing that, we do it well. And we have a way that we do it. It's, it's crazy. when And Jeremy's probably going to start laughing when I say this. Like, when we first started, like, no one – there was a lot of people around to help. And, uh, and we just went for it, and we knew we had the solution uh, because – that was evidence in my own life and the lives of other people. Mm-hmm. And so we want to pay that solution forward. And along the way, as we got more and more successful, that's when everyone started coming in like, hey, you need to do EMDR for these guys. And you need to do these clinical processes. Do you have a clinician there? We can bring a clinician there. Uh, do you have essential oils? Because all these ladies, every time I go speak at church, by the way, I love, I love the essential oil ladies. But please, if I'm, at, if I'm speaking, don't come with your bag and try to tell me that every veteran needs uh, you got to qualify. We love the essential oil because the essential oil ladies, they can get rabid. Oh, they, they yeah. can get vicious. I'm going to start wearing like, a sign that veterans like, don't need essential oils. Like, like do. oh, you don't want my oils? You're going to get these oils. If you, you need some, these oils, if you need these some oils, come, work. come to our office because I've got cases of them sitting up in the corner. Yeah. Yeah. They just keep showing up. It's like every time I have, I have you know, I talk about got to lose weight and I, I can see my face. It looks like it's giving birth to another face because I had to shave to do that movie and pretend to be like a Marine the other day. Dude, what I heavy on the word pretend. Um, but so these people are like, oh, yeah, you need to lose weight. We're going to get you on Thrive. Or we're going to get you on. And I'm like, look, I got a drawer full, man. <laughs> I got box after box of it. So, I, you know, I get I know how that goes. Yeah. But we no, just, we just mean, stay focused to what we know. You stay focused to what you know. Yeah. yeah. Focus to what you know. Yeah. So anyway, on another note. I did have to go do that movie. I had to. I had to pretend to be a, a sergeant major that was retiring and going in, back into. It, it, and a lot of people saw it and they thought it was about you know PTS master or sergeant like that do what a master sergeant not What'd a sergeant. You said sergeant major. A master sergeant. It's so the um, the uh, yes, yeah, Steve. Steve. <laughs> anyway, a few sleeps have gone on since then. Uh, the uh, but anyway. Who's retiring and going back into trying to reacclimate into the civilian world, right? And this is the story that they're trying to tell. And uh, I thought, yeah, okay. So I knew this movie role was coming up. And I was like, first of all, it's always uncomfortable for me to try to put on a costume at that point. Right. Not, you know, it's a uniform. It's a real deal. You have all of these um, 
consultants on set who are saying, okay, got to do this right. This is the way this would happen. This is the way you would do this. You would say it this way, and this is the way it would go. And, of course, then you got Steve over there sitting in the peanut gallery telling everybody how all the consultants are wrong. Well, there, I, there's 25 years difference in our span from well, when they versus me. I'm like, a lot has changed in 25 years. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> So you back to that privilege that these military guys feel. I don't know what's wrong with you guys. Once you came out, you're experts on everything. Oh yeah, everybody sure. only does it one way. Yeah, that's true. it's funny. You know, someone could spend a short four year window of their life, and some like the Marine Corps, and and they it really changes how they view everything else for the rest everything. Of their life. And that's a cool thing. It is a cool thing. <laughs> yeah. And I've said that over and over. It's like you now you have this filter through which you interpret the world. Yeah. And it really is a programmed filter. It's a paradigm. It's that web through which you see things and interpret life. It's yeah. a pretty open and, filter for a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, present company accepted, of course. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> it's a filter, but it doesn't filter everything. No. But we, we had a blast. I mean, we, we did that thing that made me shave the beard off, obviously, and I actually volunteered. I mean, I was like, okay, look, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do it right. I got the hair high and tight, and I did the, you know, and I, and I, but I did, I did everything but lose a little weight. I, like you're, I, ma- you're a master sergeant. I was a master sergeant. That, I that, was, a, that was not a high and tight. <laughs> it was, was high a, and tight enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was as high and tight as it was going to get. By the time you're a master sergeant, you love chow. Exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, but no, we had a blast doing that, and it, it's always an honor to be able to, you know, to be asked to be a part of projects like that, and. And in my own way, sort of use that platform to give back a little bit. And, yeah. And, and to the degree that I can help, you know, you guys, we've talked about this before. I want people to I want people to give. I want people to participate. If you know somebody that has a need or they need to be a part of that, you know, go on there, fill out that application, get in yeah. touch with you guys, because yeah. that's where it matters. You know, hey, pick up your book. I mean, I, I read your book. You know, you sent me a couple of copies of it, and we've been having some at the at the show there for people and and uh, at my live shows. And it's a great book. Yeah. It's, it's good stuff, man. So, yeah, um, y'all are doing a great work, brother. Definitely go. You know, the books on the website, the Mighty Oaks website. Jeremy has a, a couple of ghost books, but the one uh, "March or Die" mm-hmm. kind of like the unfair advantage for me, kind of his story, and it's a great, great book. Um, Got to get you a copy of it too. Yeah, but hey, for the for the listeners, man, Chad is not. Not just all talk. Like, I mean, remember right after the show, you're like, hey, what can I do? I'm like, I'm going to call you on it. And we have a gala coming up. Do you want to MC it? And you were like, I'm in. You even said, I'm coming right back from another trip. And I know, you, you know, his trips are hard. And yep. right away, he's in, man. I just thank you for that patriot, yeah. amazing patriot. I know how to get to Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> I can get there, man. But no, I, it's, it's a blessing for me to be able to do that and, and push it and promote it. We got a, we've got a great uh, event that's going to happen this week for Carry the Load uh, at the Grand Prairie Airhog Stadium. We've got a celebrity softball tournament. They asked me if I wanted to play, and I was like, nah, I'm just going to be the on, on-field announcer. With I just get to yeah. run my mouth, and I don't feel like playing anything these days, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> so, but we're going to be out there, so you know, folks can find that online and, and come out and hang with us at Airhog Stadium this Saturday in Grand Prairie, Texas. And uh, what do you got coming up next? What's going on? In your world, well, uh, you know, after, after this, I'm going to be a Memorial Day weekend, so I'm going to be spending all weekend in Oklahoma. I'm speaking at uh, in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, at the Assembly. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a church. They have a Saturday night service downtown Bro- Broken Arrow, and then Sunday at the the main campus. And then, um, you know, that's that's essentially uh, my Memorial Day weekend. I've yeah. been doing. I've been speaking at that church there for like seven years now, and Oklahoma's that Broken Arrow community is amazing community. I'm also yeah. doing a jiu-jitsu seminar. Uh, and at Triton MMA Saturday morning, 
Yeah, uh, with Pete Pete Willem and Reed Hasty, awesome black belts. Yeah. Oh, so you guys always always invite everyone from the church to the jiu-jitsu seminar, and then everyone from the jiu-jitsu seminar at church, cross pollinate the community. We were at we were at a baseball so. game. Yeah, yeah. Hey, y'all want y'all want to do some church fighting? Hey, yeah, y'all like yeah. church fights? Come on, let's have I a real all, one. I think all Christians should be able to choke the hell out of people. But, uh, yeah. I was doing. We were at a baseball game, and uh, we were we were we were, yeah, we were in a suite at the at the Ranger Stadium, and the TV was on. And they, there was an MMA fight that was on one of the TVs, and this lady looks back at me and she goes, "Why do they do that?" And I said. Why are you asking me? <laughs> I wouldn't do that. But I mean, here these guys are banging each other's heads off the cages and stuff. And I'm like, I guess they have angst. I don't know. <laughs> there's, there's something inside that needs to be outside. But I mean, one, I'm claustrophobic. Two, I don't want to be between another man's legs. I don't want my head pinched in somebody's armpit. And I would tap out immediately. Robichaud, why? I watch it from a, like, and try to put myself in an outside perspective. And I, totally get why people would think that like why would someone want to get in there with another not just another person but another trained professional athlete and get locked to, in a cage and and who wants I mean, to pull your head it off seems crazy but then i put myself in my shoes as an athlete this is not like a it's not a fight to me like it's a sport that, I, that for me that i did since i was five years old yeah and so it's just competing i don't look at it like a fight i look at like soccer or and and if you train hard in martial arts your whole life, you want to test yourself. And I have a very competitive nature, and I think everyone that would step in there would probably have a competitive nature and just want to – I want to compete against I'm, – I'm still 43 years old now, and I still, like, watch them. Like, I want to compete against the very best. I want to know, you know, uh, where I measure up and that something I invested a very large percent, percentage of my time in my life to – and it's just, I'm 46, <laughs> and I'm okay with them being the best. <laughs> like, I'm completely content with someone else yeah. being the best. I'm going to compete. I'm not, and I'm retired from MMA, but I'm competing this year. And yeah. in August, I'm going to compete in the uh, IBJJF, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu World Championships. And uh, you know, I still want to get out there and see what Sweet, I got. Sweet, merciful Lord. <laughs> yeah. Jeremy, final words. How can people help? Uh, a lot of ways people can help. This is a big one. Let other people know what we're doing. Uh, obviously, supporting through donations is important. That's the thing that keeps me awake at night is <laughs> paying for everything. But uh, we've had great donors and continue to have that. And I, I think probably the biggest way people can help is to, if they're not dealing with something, let someone that is know about our program yeah. and give them that gentle nudge they need to, to come and hang out with us. Five days, you've got nothing to lose. It doesn't cost you anything. It's good food, activities around good guys uh, or girls, as the case may be. And uh, we'll have a good time. But, yeah, let folks know. Good stuff. Yep. MightyOaksFoundation.org. Go, give, participate, do everything you can, help these guys because you're doing a great thing. I appreciate it. Thank you guys you. are like a family to the podcast now. You're, thanks. Your brother's here at Studio 22. So thanks for coming in. Thanks for making the trip over. And we got to get you out of here because you got to go be on another show. Yeah. Anyway, for Chad yeah. Robichon, Jeremy, listen, check out the website. Remember, don't start YouTube channels that doesn't have your content on it. We have legal, and we will come for you. Okay. Party foul, Steve. We will come for you. Go to watchchad.com. Find me out on the road. We're about to announce a whole slew of new dates for the remainder of 2019, and we want to see you. We're just having too much fun, and it wouldn't be fun without you. So we love you all. God bless. We will talk to you next time. Bye.